0: Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Tommy Tiernan Podcast. And today today I'm going to be talking about Yiddish folk tales. I remember many, many years ago I was talking to a really, really old Jewish rabbi and um, he said, uh, <laughs> um, It was Jackie Mason. And I bumped into him, myself and the wonderful Dylan Moran and Ard Lohan and we in New York City. And uh, Jackie Mason is one of the all-time great comedians uh got marvelous rhythm and punctuation and ideas and when he's on stage he's absolutely fearless and he I think he was studying to be a rabbi or something or but he has that kind of a uh, marvelous Jewish beat kind of I you to hate the you the coca-cola put the fingers and when a god like that walks past you we were in a cafe and he walked past myself and Dylan, Ardle was far, far too cool but myself and Dylan just bolted like children out of a primary school and we went up and we said hello to him and he said Hi hey, you know, I'm a millionaire <laughs> We we invited him He had a beautiful uh, young lady with him and he was about 900 years old and we said, you know, we're doing a show in the town hall uh, in New York. Even New York is a fucking town hall, like <laughs> like Claire Morris and Westport. And I said, we "Are we doing another show in the town hall? Like, would you be? Are you free of a night to to come? Why? Why would I come and see your show? I'm a millionaire. Look, at this broad. I'm nine hundred years old. Why will I? Well, I got you the boy. I'd be a huge fan of Jewish comedy, you know. Um, Cultural diversity is a fantastic thing. All immigration is built on sorrow. People more or less usually have to leave places because they're either being, they're being hounded out of it they're been sold or they're or they're being hunted you know um, and while the the initial thing is awful I sometimes i the results of it can be beautiful. It's not the the queer thing of it, like, if it wasn't for slavery, would we have jazz? You know? If, if Richard Pryor's great-great-great-grandfather hadn't been sold to some fat fucker in Alabama, would he have been a stand-up comedian way back in Nigeria or something, you know? He, he might have been a, a Nigerian storyteller or something, but he wouldn't be as he wouldn't be a, a gift to Western culture. He wouldn't be one of the shite. <laughs> what well, I meant to say, bright and shining. So one of the shite and brining lights of world stand-up comedy. You know, if Bob Dylan's great grandparents hadn't fled Eastern Europe. The most that he could have hoped for in terms of international fame would have been to represent Lithuania in the Eurovision Song Contest. And if Irish people hadn't been starved out of their own land, I mean, would there have been the Smiths, Morrissey, It's hard to know what the great gifts of Irish immigration are to world culture. Um, But anyway, I'm talking to this really old rabbi one time in a monastery in Oxford. Now, when I say me, I I don't actually mean me. This is um, anything I read or hear or see on television that I'm experiencing to me it's the same as if I'm actually there in the place where the thing is happening. So I was in a monastery in Oxford in the late 1980s talking to um, I spent a few years living as a Carmelite monk and I got talking to this uh, old Jewish rabbi, uh, we were washing dishes one evening and after the we'd have um bonging uh between six and eight, which is uh we just go in and it's an old carmelite tradition of, of prayer where you would uh you, you'd be hoisted up on a rope and you would have a little helmet on and you'd be clattered off either side of this massive bell, uh which the sound of which would echo throughout the town. So you'd be you'd be bonged. You could only you could only imagine one or tolerate one or two bongs a month after that um, it's, it's, a, it's an awful dose to the skull but anyways I said to this wonderful old man you know uh, and I think we're all Jewish the, the Western imagination in as much as it is Greek and Roman and Celtic and Christian it is also Jewish In the way that the African imagination may not be Jewish. But the Western is taught. To be a Christian is to be a Jew. Christianity is a Yiddish folktale. Anyway, I'm talking to this guy. Wonderful. And I says to him, what is Jewish theology? And he said, hey, well, he said... Tommy (laughs) we don't have theology in Judaism we have stories that is all we have and that's a marvellous way to be in the world it's just you're not coming up with something now I know there's the Ten Commandments and stuff like that but you're not really coming up with rules you're just coming up with stories that are Up for interpretation. There is no definite truth out of a story. It's just what it means to you. And sometimes what it means to you mightn't be what it means to the teller. My father, every evening when I was the age of about five until I was about five and a quarter... He used to tell me the story of Jack and the Beanstalk and he had no idea what I drew from that. Here was a young fella who broke every rule. Their father gone, their mother and himself starving and their last bit of collateral on the planet. He is to take the cow into town and come back with money so they can fucking eat. And he goes off. His mother has placed total responsibility for the family's survival on his young and slender shoulders. He's a mile gone from the house, and who does he meet by the side of the road but some fucking gypsy magician? And he swaps the cow for magic fucking beans. Then he goes up into the sky the following day when the stalk is after appearing in the garden and the beans thrown out the window the previous night by the mother disgusted at him and he goes into a giant's house and he steals he doesn't ask can he fucking borrow he robs the magic chicken from the tall man in the sky and eventually they all lived happily ever after apart from the giant who was killed and the cow who ended up A jacket. But. I heard this story. Over and over and over again. And this story. The effect it had on me was. I have spent my entire life robbing chickens. No. I have spent. And I think it's why I'm a Christian. Because I always have an eye out. For the gypsy with the magic fucking beans. I'm not a realist at all. My sister, on the other hand, had the story of Goldilocks and the three bears read to her every evening. And she grew up to become a sex worker. At the zoo. So different things manifest differently in different people. And there is such heart and such sorrow in the tales of the Hasidim or Yiddish folk tales. There's such mystery, there is such sadness, really. Irish storytelling is wonderful, the folk tales that we have, it's all cuchulin and fish and magic horses and crows that'd kill you and lifting up Loch Nair and turning it into the Isle of Man and it's a world of magic it's a world of shapeshifters but to be a storyteller of any type in the western world is to be Jewish is to be Irish I mean the closest I've ever come To working with Jewish culture before was when I I worked in a supermarket when I was 19 and it it, it used to make me laugh and I don't think anybody else ever got the joke or even saw it but I used to be in charge of stacking the cat food cans and I I would uh, position the beef and rabbit tins so that it looked as if the kittens were having a feast of beef and rabbi. I mean, it it made me laugh. It wasn't picked up by anybody else. And there's a great phrase in the Irish language that I think could very swiftly be assimilated and probably has its brother in Yiddish. In Irish, it says, O wurch Agne, from the hurt mind. And I think that's a very... Jewish, a very human state of being. I have an issue with not belonging. I find it very difficult to accept. Um, it bothers me when a group of people would say, you're not one of us. Because I feel as if I have more in common with people than I do... Uh, the opposite of in common. It's why I'm I'm drawn to lesbians and Jewish people (laughs) and Africans. I I just I wanna I I wanna belong. I, I wanna be a black Jewish lesbian in a wheelchair who's also non binary. And a Republican, and who supports Chelsea, I just don't like that—that exclusion. You don't belong here. You're not one of us, and I refuse to accept that. I say no. I—I know I might look like a fifty-one-year-old West of Ireland white Gemini, but scratch the surface. (laughs) Scratch the surface. I think we all belong. And it's why people some people don't want to hear that, you know. It's why last year I released um, a charity single that, that, that nobody bought. Um, I'll give you a blast of it now. It went a little bit like this. What if Trump was one of us? Just a stranger on the bus Trying to make his way home. Like, the Pope may be in Rome. People didn't like the idea that that Trump could be human. I even offered it to a group here, the uh, Galway Black Lesbians in Wheelchairs from Israel. Uh, but they, they just, we didn't see eye to eye at all. I've only really once in my life encountered uh, a type of, racism and and it was only a moment, and the two young people who were racist towards me they mightn't have stayed that way, you know, but anyway this is the story of of that particular incident and how I got out of it. I was doing a show in New York, and New York is a buzzing city, you know, and I was doing I was actually performing. Lenny Bruce uh, was one of my icons in stand-up comedy. He, uh, Alfred Schneider, I think was his real name, I think, was it? Anyway, he, um, had such beautiful rhythm and drama and his, his talk was full of kind of Yiddish beat, jazz, heroin, New York slang and it was just, he told amazing stories. And, I was performing in a room that he had performed in in New York in the nineteen sixties, and I was just buzzing off the vibe of the streets and hoping that I was bringing something new to New York comedy from an Irish perspective. You know, um, now some nights it didn't go well. You know, I, I remember one night performing in front of an entirely black audience, head to foot. <laughs> they were to- each and every one of them was totally fucking black, like they were entirely, and they liked. My stuff, except when I was talking about Jesus. You know, they're laughing at the family stuff, laughing at the sex stuff, but they really weren't going to row the God boat with me at all. So anyway, this particular night, this other night, I used to do this joke. I says, uh, "You know, the Jews, the Jews. You have to, you have to move towards the tension. I think that's the thing with comedy is that wherever you sense tension." Like I'd often be performing up in Vickers Street or something, and there might be a person in a wheelchair in the front row or something. And if there, sometimes you get people who, um, in wheelchairs, who they're they might have cerebral palsy or something like that, and they're making a noise out of sync with the rest of the crowd. You know, so you you'd be telling a joke, and uh, before you get to the punchline, punch you'd hear this kind of cerebral palsy m- moan or something like that, and and all of a sudden the room would get tense and so naturally I go there I would say who's making that fucking noise look at that bastard in the wheelchair not as crude as that but you'd be trying to do it in such a way that the tension is released and that the person in the wheelchair most importantly finds it funny that some weird way by you pointing it out and celebrating it by taking the piss out of it has somehow been a release. You never know, but, you know, they keep coming back. Anyway, I'm there in New York one night and I used to do this bit. Uh, oh, you know, this is 20 years ago now, maybe. Oh, you know, the uh, uh, Irish people were like the Jews, but not as focused. I mean, you do something to a Jewish person and they, they fucking remember. It could be 45 years later and you're having a double espresso macchiato in a restaurant in Argentina. And this little old lady comes up and she points, You, you, you son of a bitch! So that was the kind of the, the vague setup of it. And then I would ramble on a bit in that kind of vein. And then I'd, I'd get to the bit. And uh, the Jews say they didn't kill Jesus. And I would go, well, it wasn't the fucking Mexicans. A joke. Now, as it happened, quite an old joke. I have this book of uh, uh, jokes put together by a wonderful science fiction writer called Isaac Asimov. And I remember coming up with that joke myself. Well, it wasn't the fucking Mexicans but it just shows you there's nothing really original in the world I came across a Jewish version of it in that book basically laying the blame on the, the, the Puerto Ricans um, there'd be South American tribe who, who uh, love stout the Puerto Ricans I was telling those stories on the stage in New York anyway and afterwards and they were fine they were actually physically gorgeous specimens of human beings Uh, a young guy and a young girl in about their early twenties just so beautiful and what I remember most about him the guy was his eyes they were so fucking clear and without doubt they're the fuckers you can't trust never trust a cunt with clarity they're dangerous so he says to me I was at your show I says yeah yeah okay he says um uh, uh, I think some of your stuff was anti-Semitic. You know, I th- I think you're uh, a racist. And I said, well, well, well what do you mean? Uh, and he said, that joke you told about, um, uh, well, uh, uh, did the Jews crucify Jesus? Well, it wasn't the Mexicans, you know. Uh, and I said, well, hey, it's just a joke. It's not meant to be taken seriously. And then he said to me, yeah, well, I wouldn't expect you to know any better. You're Irish. And it was the first time I'd ever felt that kind of racist poke at me. I mean, I've had it once in a comedy club in London by these, you know, drunken East Enders, but you know, it's rare because because fuckers are rare. Bad bastards are rare. There really isn't too many of them about. This guy said to me. This New York guy said, I'm Jewish and I think you're racist and you wouldn't know any better because you're Irish. And I had to think fast, didn't I? You know, I could have just kind of shrugged my shoulders and, and, and walked off, which is what I did in reality. But looking back on it now, as I reimagine it, and that's the gift of the human imagination, is to go back and change the past. Looking back on it now, ...with his beautiful young face... ...such beautiful, clear, healthy skin... ...and eyes burning... ...with a kind of... ...righteous... ...assuredness. And when I go back to that moment... ...I act quick... ...before I have time to shrug my shoulders and walk off... ...before he has time to... ...turn on his heels and walk away... ...feeling as if he stood up for his people... I grab him. I put a hand on either side of his gorgeous face and I kiss him. I just fucking munge into the lovely Jewish head in him and I'm fucking... He, it's happening so quick he doesn't have time to protest and part of him, maybe is half enjoying it. <laughs> I'm kissing him and I'm kissing him but I, I have an agenda. It's not just for the munge that I'm doing it. As I'm kissing him... Through my saliva, part of my DNA goes into his body forever. And maybe in years to come. In years to come, when my small bit of DNA has travelled down his body and settled into his ball bag. And deep into his marriage, it'll sperm out of him into his magnificent wife and she'll give birth to a little Irish child who one day will be given a serious message to do by his serious family. Maybe he'll go down to the shops and buy something and he'll come back with a hand full of magic beans that he bought off the fucking gypsy. Well, that's about it for today, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed this week's um, uneducated <laughs> ramble through stuff I don't really know an awful lot about. Thanks for listening. See you next time. This podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network.